All right, welcome back. It's a 7 o'clock hour. We will deal in this hour with the uh, holding call. There is an argument to be made that has not I have not heard made right. about why it was a dreadful call. We will try to deal with that in this hour. And uh, I guess uh, there will have to be out uh, at some point in this show an acknowledgement that Andy Reid outcoached Nick Sirianni. He did. And I'll try to weather that one. Well, he outcoached Gannon. He, out, he definitely outcoached Gannon. Yeah. Gannon is wow. But on the lie with us, he is actually on his own hookup right now, is our top analyst of these games, mm-hmm. the great Ross Tucker. Hi, Ross. Angelo, what's up? Ross, we are be- beside ourselves with frustration. How big an opportunity slipped by the Eagles last night? Gigantic. Uh, probably the biggest one in franchise history for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I just don't envision them being able to have a roster like this Anytime soon, they're going to pay Hertz between 40 and $50 million a year, deservingly so. They have a lot of free agents. This year, because of Hertz being a second-round pick on the third year of his rookie contract, allowing the Eagles to have the freedom to bring in Gardner-Johnson, bring in Linval Joseph, obviously Reddick, A.J. Brown, all those things, uh, this was the year. And then to compound things, Angelo, Hertz played awesome. I mean, if you would have told me last week that Hertz would throw for over 300 yards and set the Super Bowl record for rushing yards by a quarterback, tie the rushing record for touchdowns in a game, I, I would have told you that the Eagles would win by double digits. It's a, it's a big, big missed opportunity. All right. Now, I have uh, personally, I've not used this stat yet, although it is stunning. And it was dropped on like a bomb in the post-game show in NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, teams with a double-digit lead at the half in the Super Bowl prior to last night were 26-1. and one. Ouch. So I got to ask you, 26-1. and Wow. One. Russ, we here at WIP Morning Show are blaming Jonathan Gannon first and foremost. Do you agree? Well, certainly the Chiefs were a step ahead of the Eagles in the second half. There's no question. I guess I would say a couple things. Number one, you know, the Eagles had a delay game, and they had to call a timeout to prevent another delay game in the second half. Angelo, that didn't happen all year. You're right. That didn't happen all year, and it happens twice in the second half. Obviously, the Eagles were powerless to stop the Chiefs in the second half of that game, and that falls on Gannon and that defense. I still think that the two biggest plays of the game, in fairness to Gannon, were the fumble return for a touchdown and the punt return, which basically gave them a touchdown. I mean, those were the two gigantic swing plays that had the biggest impact on the game. But I would agree with you, you know, the Jaguars only gave up 27 points to the Chiefs in Kansas City. The Chiefs only gave up 23 points. I'm sorry. The Bengals only gave up 23 points to the Chiefs in Kansas City. To give up 38 is disappointing, although, like I said, one touchdown was against the offense and one touchdown was basically a punt return. The other thing that needs to be said, Angelo, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it, the reason why it was such a high-scoring game, in my mind, is because the footing was horrendous. Yeah, we did talk. And that is the same for both teams. So that's not a reason why you win or lose, but I can tell you as an offensive lineman, I love when there's bad footing (laughs) 
because the defensive line can't get off the snap. They can't get off the ball. And then when they try to turn the corner, you know, they're not able to keep their footing when they bend the edge. The other thing is when the receivers are out there running their routes, bad footing is an advantage for the offense because they know where they're going. The defenders have to react to the offense. I thought, look, it's not a reason why anybody won or lost the game, but it's an absolute embarrassment for the NFL, for the biggest game in the world, to have guys slipping all over the place. Absolutely right. Now, I, I, here's what the country is saying this morning. We're looking all over different media outlets, and they're saying that Jonathan Gannon, by giving up two touchdowns to receivers who were not covered at all, that that is an unforgivable mistake. And uh, could you, as a former player yourself, Ross, explain how that could happen? Well, the part I don't like about it is that it was the same play to the other side. Yep. So it was a terrific play design. They have a strong tendency when that guy goes in motion, right, Sky Moore or Tony, when they start to go in motion, Angelo, what they normally do is they run behind the O-line to the other side of the formation and they score easy touchdowns because the DB covering them is late to get there. Right? Yeah. Because they're trying to chase him. Well, Andy Reid figured out that that's how the Eagles are going to play it. So they faked like he was going to do that. Tony put his foot in the ground, came back to the other side, touchdown. The disappointing part of it to me is that it did not appear as if they made an adjustment before the second one. The other thing I would tell you that's disappointing for me, and you know I think Gannon's pretty good at what he does. What I was disappointed in is – I'm okay with the Chiefs running the ball pretty effectively, okay? Now, I am stunned that the Eagles didn't dominate the trenches more than they did. But I'm okay if you're Gannon and you say, okay, the Chiefs can run on us a little bit. Angelo, it can't be both. Yeah. They they, they can't run on you and be able to complete every pass. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to say, okay, they can run on us a little bit, then the pass defense has to be awesome. If the pass defense is going to have guys wide open and Mahomes can pick you apart, then don't let them run. I mean, it's it's either or in my mind. Yeah, it's an excellent analysis of what went on. I'm just I'm really curious about uh, uh, you saw the holding call. Uh, the reason that I was amazed by it is that they did not hold a call a holding call the entire game except against Bradbury. You make that call in that spot and decide the game. Absolutely not. And here's the thing, Angelo. We don't have to even discuss whether or not there's an issue with the officiating or whether or not it was a bad call. You know why? Why? Because in the first half, Bradbury had a hold that was way worse, and they didnn't call it. It was a third down to Juju on an in-breaking route, and and, 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 and Bradbury tugged at him. And then re- and, and let them go, and they didn't call it. And Olsen said, the announcer rightfully said, they should have called that. I agreed. However, there is a long track record of officials letting the guys play in the playoffs in general and in the Super Bowl in particular. I was in meetings in New England with Belichick when he said to the DBs and the O-linemen, remember, it's the playoffs now. You can be a little bit more aggressive. The officials are told not to throw as many flags. So we don't have to debate 
whether or not it was a bad call, that Bradbury barely touched him at the end of the game. So wait a minute. You don't call that in the first half when Bradbury clearly grabs him and, and, and tugs him backwards a little bit. But then when he barely touches him, less than two minutes, you do call it. The problem with that is players play based on how the officials are officiating the game. If you let Bradbury get away with it earlier, you can't call it later because you have set the precedent that you're not going to call that. This is exactly why I've loved this man for all these years he's analyzed the games. Because that kind of eluded me, that earlier play that they didn't call. You are 100% right, Ross. Great, great point. Just go one more thing. I wanted to end on a slightly positive note. Jalen Hurts' performance. What did you think of that yesterday? Stunned. Stunned. I'm so proud of him. I'm so happy for him. I mean, he had not played well the last three games. He had not played well since he came back from the shoulder injury to make the throws he made. I mean, some of those throws to Goddard, by the way, those catches by Uh, Goddard were uh. ridiculous. But the throws he made, the throw he made to Quez while he got smashed against the Blitz, I agree with Sirianni. It might have been the best game Hurts has played as an Eagle. The heart with which he ran, he was phenomenal. But honestly, Angelo, that that almost makes it worse. It, It almost makes it worse. The only thing that makes it better about it is it makes me feel better about the Eagles moving forward because we don't, just like I said about Bradbury, we now don't have to debate whether or not Hurts can go toe-to-toe with an all-time quarterback like Mahomes in a big game because he did it. He just did it. We all saw him do it. And so now we can expect that he should be able to do that in the playoffs, hopefully for years to come. Ross, all I want to say is this. I am in awe of how beautifully you break down games and make us see things we didn't see. You are a great football analyst, and I thank you, as always, for your contribution to our show. Angelo, um, you know how I feel. I just want to thank you for me and my family for listening to you for over 30 years and then in particular the last few years having me on your show. It's been an honor and a privilege. You are the man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ross. I really appreciate it. Back to the phones. There's so many people out there today. Jim's up from Philly. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, guys. 